Hi, I'm Trevor. I'm Kyle. Uh, and today, Trevor will be catching up on cinema. Uh, this week, we are messing with Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Guy Ritchie from... I keep forgetting how early this movie was. I keep thinking it was like, oh, it's like 2000. Like, no, it's like 99. No, it's 1998. Oh, absolutely. No, it, it definitely stinks of, of, you know, late 90s angsty, not quite comedy, not quite gangster caper films. Uh, yeah, and everybody's smoking. Everybody's smoking. Everybody. Even the film is just stained with smoke. <laughs> Jason Statham, who I'm pretty sure has never smoked a cigarette in his life, is his character is smoking cigarettes. Yeah, Jason Statham, the at the peak of physical perfection, taking long drags of everything in sight. I've always wanted to do that gangster backflip where you just it looks like you have no momentum whatsoever, and you just hop over on your like just backflip and yeah. Yeah. No, that that's actually one of my favorite, if not my favorite, scene in the movie. Oh, honest. really? We'll get to there, but you know, the, the backflipping. Oh, not gosh. not specifically the backflipping, but that whole <laughs> sequence. <laughs> okay, so I'm just gonna at the top here, just gonna give a full rundown of the movie. Spoiler. I mean, there's gonna be spoilers. Uh, if you haven't seen this, I'd be shocked if you. 1998, seen it. folks. Come 1998. on, get with the program. Um, yeah, this is actually probably his second or third most famous movie. Um, I think Snatch is like the number one guy. Ritchie. I think Snatch is the one that most people know him for. Um, this one gets held in high regard, but isn't. It's more like whispered about. <laughs> I think Rock and Roll is actually. I, I I can't remember if he did Layer Cake. I want to say he did Layer Cake. I think that may have been Matthew Vaughn. We'll have to we'll have to look um, into those that. two have a connection though, because this was actually produced by Matthew Vaughn. And both of these guys are actually kind of like in high demand when it comes to like the gigantic blockbuster movies these days. Gotcha. It's kind of amazing to see to see where people come from because this was the movie that basically put them on the map, as far as I understand. What did Guy Ritchie do recently? Was it Man from Uncle or some kind of Man Kingsman? from Uncle? Was a few years ago. He did King Arthur. King Arthur. <laughs> like, he did something. Yeah, man, uh, man, Man from Uncle was a couple years before, and then Sherlock Holmes was a couple years before that. And oh, I, he did those. Those movies are immensely popular with some really unexpected people actually like they're really enjoyable he did he did those both yeah all oh, those are great enjoyable love- popcorn entertainment but not what you would think would come from guy Ritchie. I, well i mean i love jude law i mean coming from a balding from a balding guy he's really, he's really done a lot for balding guys um, yeah talk about representation oof, shit man <laughs> fan myself uh, <laughs> uh yeah but plus you've got rdj which is always great um so i'm just gonna give a rundown real quick so we have four guys uh bacon tom eddie and soap mm-hmm. uh they all throw in twenty five thousand dollars each so that their buddy eddie um is going to go into a looks like a poker game but she's laying out all these rules and like oh yeah i was like is this that poker? was that was maybe like the most intimidating sequence in the movie actually. Yeah. Like as soon as she was like spitting out the rules in that oh my god just god awful British jargon yeah. like just Oh no 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 it was like that's not English. That's like not come English. on. And as soon as she was doing that like I just felt like I, I need to leave. <laughs> like no. I'm in over my head. I don't know what's happening. Uh, so they all pitch in so their one friend can. Uh, I'm, we're gonna say Texas Hold'em. I'm gonna say Texas Hold'em. Sure. Um, Car- so cards. Gamble- <laughs> He's uh, gambling in a card game with some riffraff and scallywags. Um, <laughs> it's not. Uh, this is not Caesar's Palace. This isn't. Uh, this isn't an actual. This is a private tournament. Match. This is a it's private, private tournament. Match. Why would anybody do that? I don't understand it. You're going to have your legs broken at some point. One of these things. I just. That's my theory. Well, you know, four young 
young bucks think they you know can grab the world by the balls and survive anything is jason statham always been 36 years old because anytime i see him he just i think he he turned 25 he looked 36 and then he stayed 36 and he still looks 36 <laughs> i think it's just the hair because he's got he's got a good must he's got like a good facial hair and then he's just bald so he looks 36 yeah maybe maybe it was a conscious decision where he's like i'm gonna be 36 gonna forever be 36 forever backflip <laughs> backflip <laughs> So they are cheated by uh, Hatchet Harry, because um, his partner, actually his um, yeah, porn king Hatchet Harry, porn king Hatchet Harry, <laughs> he's just got get it right dildos and vibrators on his desk uh, randomly. Um, he and his uh, number two Barry the Baptist uh, cheat them out of their money basically and they have i think a week to get the yep, money back seven days that's fair i i appreciate that it I, usually it's like you have 48 hours and like there's, there's some nuance to it but you know that's actually a grace period like that's that's pretty that's pretty kind as far as you know yeah. people of this type go <laughs> and he even said he's like i know that your buddies were all in on it too so i'm gonna hold them accountable but with between the four of you you need to figure something out yeah. which was actually kind of nice of him to yeah, do. yeah in uh, its own way you know. uh, so they <laughs> coming play, from the porn king <laughs> so they're all freaking out because they all have like day job like their day jobs aren't really paying well so they end up hearing overhearing their neighbors who are um a bunch of rap scallions themselves mm-hmm. uh talking about money so they're like well we're gonna knock these dudes over they figure out these guys have money um much more money than they actually think. Uh, and then the group of four have a wild and crazy time getting the money, more or less. Um, needless to say, if you've ever seen a Guy Ritchie movie, you know that there's about four or five different stories overlapping at the same time. But that's this is the main four that we're following. Okay. Okay. Um, and the reason why I chose this is, one, I mean, Trevor has seen Snatch, and I'm glad, and I figured he would have because Trevor likes fighting movies, um, and Snatch is more or less about, it's boxing and diamond diamond theft. That's, yeah, I mean, 60-40. Yeah, the, the boxing kind of takes a back seat to the, just the general shenanigans and, and thievery and stuff, but it's there, and yeah, you know. Slow motion, Brad Pitt getting punched in the face is pretty cool. But <laughs> <laughs> blam. Um, so yeah, the reason I picked this was I think that personally I do like Snatch. I think this is the better of the Guy Ritchie movies. Oh. I think this is my favorite Guy Ritchie movie. Okay. Um, after giving it a rewatch not too long ago, I'm like, I actually really like this one. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, the other reason why is because Trevor is a big boxing fan, and there is a character in here by the name of Barry the Baptist. Uh-huh. Um, his name is his real name is Lenny the Govna. That's that's how it's spelled: Govna, G-U-V-N-O-R, <laughs> McLean. Um, so this guy was a bit of a badass. I think he might have had some abuse when he was a child. He's a monster. Just oh, a yeah. huge guy. He's a physical presence. He's enormous. Uh, he would have played he would have played linebacker just by default. Like he he's have he's to got try. the kind of facial structure you could hit him with a garden shovel on the <laughs> like right on the button. And when you, he, he'd just laugh off. at you. Just go <laughs> And then he kills you with one punch. Yeah. Um, so he is act he was actually um, a bit of a criminal, and he did um, bare knuckle boxing like, wow. like Brad Pitt does in Snatch. Okay. Um, and I was hoping that he would watch this and kind of look up some of the characters and find out that nope, <laughs> no, that um, no this research. Guy Lenny McLean uh, was actually some of the inspiration behind this 
I want to see a little bit of this and definitely Snatch. Okay. Um, I had read um, the story where Brad, where um, the two guys go to uh, buy the caravan off of Brad Pitt and the uh, the gypsies, the Pikes. Um, he ends up in a bare knuckle, ends up in the bare knuckle uh, boxing match with yeah. one of the guys yeah. and gets knocked out. Well, this same thing happened to him when he was like sixteen or seventeen, I believe. Oh. And he actually beat the. The pikey. He was actually like, well, you know what? They cheated him out of something. He's like, well, you know, what? we got this boxing match, and he's a monster, and he'd have beaten the dude. And then he kind of got into underground boxing, got into huh. some trouble, went to prison for a while. Um, he actually died the year this was released. Uh, he died at the age of forty nine. He's forty nine when you see him. In this movie. Oh, yeah, he's got some miles. Yeah. on him. holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, I think there might have been some stories that the like he's playing a gangster in this, but I. Th- I think Snatch, mostly that story, that some of those stories are supposed to be based off of his real experiences. No, I, I mean, believe it. Um, and I think it actually might come from a different, a few different um, English gangsters, uh, I think Guy Ritchie might have taken from. But that's, for the most part, what I wanted Trevor to see and find out from this movie. Well, now I know. Now he knows. <laughs> so this is a difficult movie to kind of run through. Like most of the movies that we've, the movies that we've gone through so far have your standard, you know, three acts. It's pretty easy to follow. This jumps around quite a bit, and there's a lot of characters with a lot of funny names. There are, yeah, there are a shit ton of characters. Uh, thankfully, it's a it's mostly a linear narrative. Mm. Um, thanks to Tarantino in the late '90s, we we had that fun little trend of the non-linear narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, this movie doesn't go that far, but. Um, I feel like this movie can't be talked about without at least mentioning Tarantino, because you know the late '90s had a feel to it, especially Mm -hmm. with these young people in in over their heads stories. Mm -hmm. Like the little mini review that I wrote for this movie described it as like Clerks meets Goodfellas meets just anything in between, like meets Reservoir Dogs, Mm -hmm. and it has that kind of anarchic like indie feel to it mm-hmm. but much. but what this one has going for it that um oh swingers was the other movie oh. that came to mind when i thought of this one um you're so money you what's what's interesting about all those movies and how they all relate is that a lot of them are very tightly written very and, and this one in particular is very tightly very structured tight. yeah um it never feels like it's losing its way even though it has like a billion balls in the air at mm-hmm. a time and I thought that was really impressive. Um, at the same time, though, it was also daunting because, uh, as we've talked about before, I kind of have an analytical mind when it comes to viewing movies. Mm-hmm. So I'm like keying in on the technicals and stuff while I'm trying to take in the story. And when there's this many balls in the air, it's um, it makes it difficult to follow sometimes. But I never got lost. But my um, retention of some yeah. of these elements and remembering the structure and, and the order of events... Uh, Honestly, I'm having some trouble putting it, like piecing it all together. I know what the movie was about. I know I enjoyed it, um, but we're gonna have to work backwards together. I think to, yeah. to like nail down exactly what happened when. <laughs> well, you ba- you basically have what I'd say three different people, like three different groups that are trying to make progress, but keep getting kicked in the face mm-hmm. by each other somehow. Like it just keeps it just keeps spinning. Like they they're yeah. not getting anywhere. It seems like. Um, so, like I said, Hatchet Harry is the main guy. Um, he sends a couple... Uh, I'll just kind of... I guess I can kind of talk about the... Um, a little bit more of the plot. Uh, yeah. With, with the gun. The guns play a big part of this movie. Yeah. Um, so, let's let's dial it back to... Our heroes are in debt. 
Yes, ha- they, uh, they owe Hatchet Harry a lot of money. Oh, uh, a lot of money. It's a hundred grand. Yeah, but at the same oh. time, Hatchet Harry has a separate scheme going on on the side that, for the time being, is mm-hmm. unrelated. Mm-hmm. So he sent a couple of dipshits um, uh, into Northerners. Yeah, Northerners. Um, Was that Scots? No, no, I think just northern. I think just northern. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Like they sound a little like Irish, a little bit. They, they got something going. They have a little bit of a different accent. Um, we're dumb. We I know that. I know that. I know just that, in the UK, it's so like just just jumping across a bridge can just yeah, change the no, accent. I know every two blocks you have different dialect, different accent. But you know we're American. I'm we have s- a reputation for not knowing this shit. I I have I have three. Uh, it's um, <laughs> English, kind of sounds Irish, and then Irish. I can. Those are the those are the three, and then Scottish is pretty easy to pick out. Um, but yeah, those, those these guys sound kind of Irish, but kind of kind of. English. They're not. They're not from the same area no. that the the rest of the cast generally is. So they have to steal a couple. Oh yeah, of, and they're really stupid. They're really dumb. Um, they have to steal a couple of guns that are worth a lot. Well, we don't know how much they're actually worth, but they're supposed to be pretty. Like they're supposed to. They're supposed to be pretty pricey. Like yeah, it's part of an estate sale, and we see that there's like a catalog, mm-hmm. like that has all the contents of, of the home that they're like auctioning off everything. So mm-hmm. if it's at an auction, it's probably worth something. So Harry wants these guns, and Barry the Baptist is basically pressuring these two guys to get the guns. They get the guns, then they give the guns to somebody that they're not supposed to give it to. So they're just trying to get the guns back. Yes. So that's their thread. Yeah. They're trying to get the guns they, back from they Harry. They dip in and out of the story a few times, but they're largely absent for most of it. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, now, Nick the Greek, who I really like. I He doesn't say much in this movie, but I don't know. He's just really funny. He, I, he has a really thing. fun delivery, and I like that he's he's just kind of aloof most of the time. Like, he's in, like, some really hairy situations a lot of times, and, like, he's just kind of sheepish and quiet. And he kind of reminds me of John Goodman a little bit, not just because of his size, like he's just big like John Goodman, but the way he looks like he could turn at any second. Uh, funny you should mention that because the where I recognize this actor from, mm-hmm. I don't know his name, but um, Ninja Assassin. Ninja Assassin. Have you seen it? I have no... Oh, is that... Uh, what's it? Jo- um, it's... What's the what's the Thai martial artist that I'm thinking of? No, it's not Tony Jaa. Tony Jaa. <laughs> no, no, no. Um... Was he not in a movie called Ninja? I think it was directed by, uh, I think it was James McTeague, who is like an assistant director for most of the time, but he he was the guy that did V for Vendetta. Oh, okay. Um, so the Wachowskis financed this movie, um, and it starred <sighs> Rain, <laughs> the Korean pop star who was mm-hmm. like the center of the universe for a few years there. Um, there's a There's a brutal action scene like midway through the movie that's supposed to illustrate like rain's first kill as an assassin mm-hmm. and it's a, this bathroom brawl where basically there's this gigantic like heavy set fellow taking a leak and rain stabs him in the side of the neck oh, and it's nick the greek oh and it starts gushing blood and instead of dying he turns around and they just get in this like three minute fight <laughs> And there's just blood spraying everywhere the whole fight. Jeez. So it should have been a one-shot kill, and it turns into this, just this protracted, just completely nuts brawl. It's oh. wonderful. But that's where I know him from, and he was savage and 
Ooh. beastly in that movie. As I was saying, in this movie, he looks, he's like nice, kind of nice to hang out with kind of guy, but then he just like has one whiskey too much and you step on his foot and then he's... My favorite scene with him was when he was playing with that like slot machine thing when mm-hmm. Jason Fleming was like hovering next to him and trying to like, yeah, trying to talk numbers with him, like yeah. trying to get him to do him a solid. Yeah, and he's not even like he's Nick the Greek is not looking at him. He's just completely mm-hmm. uh, like engaged in the game. But they have this like fun little back and forth. Yeah, they yeah. have this fun little back and forth where it's like they're they're both kind of trying to dick each other, but you can tell they're friendly. I do. And like- in fact, that's his character introduction: is the two of them making a deal with each other and they're the, both hardballing each other the hamburger phone haggle <laughs> it's so funny oh it's great he's like what the fuck you have that wad of cash and you're trying to <laughs> that 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 wad was impressive man they both had the same wad of cash the joke yeah um, <laughs> so one thing to mention also is eddie uh the card player his dad is played by sting uh, who's a bartender who seems to be connected somehow. Either he's like, I used to be a badass and I'm not a badass anymore. There's respect, like, leveled at him. Like, yes. Like, you can tell every time someone's talking to him that they there's respect there. Maybe that's where the confidence comes from to get into a card game at an unlicensed boxing ring, basically. I think basically. you're right, because even Sting's uh, reaction to him being in that situation is just completely to not have a reaction. Yeah, he's just, just like... Oof. It's almost like he's been there. <laughs> I've got to tune my bass. Uh, Fucking sting. It's <laughs> funny, like when you see him in there. I was watching this again. I'm like, is that fucking sting? I'm like, yeah, that's sting. I was uh, half waiting for him to like go back into the kitchen. You just see, this is the It's like, oh yeah, that is sting. <laughs> uh, do you remember? Did you see the Prestige? Did you ever see? That? I did. I remember watching it, and the guy who plays Tesla in there, fucking David Bowie. And I've seen it once before, didn't even register, and then the second time I was watching it, I'm like, hey, that's fucking David (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. I'm listening to him. It was his, like, facially it didn't look like him as much, but then I heard him talk. I'm like, oh, that's Bowie. He's like, Nikola Tesla sounds like a rock and roll vampire. (laughs) I wonder if that's David Bowie. (laughs) I think that's David Bowie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, respect, respect. Okay, so Vinnie Jones kind of bringing up his... He plays almost the exact same character in Snatch. Um, Vinnie Jones is like the hand of fate in this movie. Yeah, more or less. He's that, not He's not so much a character as he is just an instrument. Of, <laughs> well, that's what he is in Snatch. He's almost the yeah. exact same thing. Yeah. He's, he's hired out by the like whoever's in charge to help get shit done. To just be muscle, basically. Yeah, he shows... He's the... Uh, not well i mean if you want to take it too far he's like the deus ex machina mm-hmm. he's like this he's like the ship writing itself yeah it's like oh shit this this plot is out of control oh here's vinnie jones here's vinnie to jones. right all the wrongs and set everyone straight i actually like him in this movie he's I, very good i think he's very good and this was when he was a footballer i think this was rugby. right after, i think this was right after i think he was either finishing or it was just right after yeah, he was like mid 90s this was basically what again put pretty much everyone in this movie on the map for international audiences mm-hmm. so like jason statham vinnie jones guy ritchie um, J- jason fleming not, not quite so much even though he's top bill the guy's soap the guy who plays soap dexter fletcher um chris Catan. I, <laughs> I thought he looked like um do you remember the city of lost children i never saw it did i not make you watch that no not yet damn it <laughs> oh well to me he was british chris Catan. 
I've seen French films, so I'm better than Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> He's seen more Japanese films than me. Um, I'm I'm still I still want to see Tetsuo. Uh, oh, yeah. I still need to watch yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Do you there. have that, by the way? No. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, so. <laughs> Soap. Soap. Uh, he, when I looked it up the movie, he was the first build. Like, you know when you look go on Google, if you look up a movie from, like, let's say you, you look up Biodome with uh, Polly Shore and Stephen Baldwin, I think the first person that's going to show up is, like, like Kylie Minogue, because she was oh, in that yeah, movie. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, she would be the most popular character from that movie. And this... For some reason, Dexter Fletcher seems to pop up first when I look him up. I'm like, okay, I no idea. I don't think I've seen him in anything else. But he looks like one of the guys who's in. He was in uh, Delicatessen. Is that how you say that? I don't know. It's it's, <laughs> it's French for deli. Delicatessen. <laughs> Delicatessen. Uh, he's in that, and he's also in that City of the Lost. Or gotcha. Church of the Lost City. City of Lost. Well, I can't you, yeah, I, I can see that. Uh, but he looks kind of like him. Um, so these guys. So these four yeah. are are panic. Okay, actually, we should define these characters a little. Okay, bit. so Bacon is Jason Statham. That's mostly all you need to know. That's it. He really <laughs> he, we don't know anything else about him. Character um, defined, except he's kind of a lightweight when it comes to drinking. Oh no, he's smoking weed. He does smoke weed. Yeah, um, he's the only one in the room that smokes weed, and he's also one of the lesser elements in the story. Like mm, he's just, he's much. more color. Like he's just there. He's, back. Hand, he's handsome role, basically. He's yeah, just, yeah. You know, he can, he makes his contribution, and then he's out. I do like the opening scene with him selling the watches, which yeah. is pretty cool. That was, um, I mean, that showed some pretty good uh, verbal gymnastics. Yeah, like uh, he was very quick. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure how much of that was just spoon fed to him through an earpiece or something, <laughs> but but yeah, uh, the first shot of the movie is is Jason Statham's character Bacon, so, uh, selling like pilfered goods yes. to people on the street. And him then, and Eddie. Eddie as well. Eddie's with him, and uh, when the con is discovered by the police, they take off running. Yeah. And we get a nice ultra slow motion shot of them jumping down a staircase, throwing their shit everywhere to escape the police. So we know that these guys are soft criminals, and by yeah. I mean, I mean like, yeah, they might be thieves, they might do a little illegal stuff, but they're not dangerous people. They're not mean spirited people. Yeah. They're just they don't want a day job as much. Yeah, they're just lazy young yeah. young men. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Tom actually has a uh, I'm not exactly sure what Tom has. Is it a pawn shop? Uh, he's got stolen goods in the back is what yeah. I can tell. I I didn't really get the sense that it was his shop. It, it was... Um, he, he was at least selling stuff in the back. But uh, yeah, he's he's selling stuff that falls off the, the truck. back of a truck, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and our introduction to Tom Jason Fleming is a uh, selling was it a stereo? Yeah, he's selling a stereo. He's selling a stereo and a hamburger phone. And a hamburger phone. <laughs> to uh, Nick the Greek. Yeah. And we get to see that he's uh, he's not afraid to, to barter. He's not yeah. afraid to twist a guy's arm to get get the right price. I like Jason Fleming. I'm always, when he pops up in a movie, I'm always, oh, nice. Jason yeah, he's, he's a welcome sight. I'm, I'm warming up to him now that now that you pointed out to me that like he's Guy Ritchie's guy. Yeah, he's and, in all of the Guy Ritchie movies. Because, I mean, sure. as we pointed out before, like to me, he was just... The, the guy from Deep Rising that with was weird, kind of a prick with the weird ears, yeah. <laughs> and Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the mm. movie that sunk Sean Connery's career. <laughs> Jesus, still haven't forgiven him for that. <laughs> I I remember t- nothing of that movie, pretty much. I remember Stuart Townsend has a dumb mustache. Yes. I think that's all I can remember. Yeah, I almost bought you Queen of the Dam today to make you watch that. <laughs> oh it's my God! So bad, really. 
Yeah. <laughs> so who we got left? Okay, we have we talked about Eddie. He's the card player, and then Soap, who is Dexter Fletcher. He's the chef. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of with Statham. Like he doesn't really do much except once they start. Once they do actually get to like actual criminal activity, armed robbery, he's the one that's like kind of is kind of sadistic when they when they start to talk. I've got knives. Yeah, but he's he, like he gets really this. into it. Like he yeah. earlier in the film, he's his nickname is Soap because he likes to like keep himself squeaky clean. Like, I don't know something like that. Yeah, he's he's the more persnickety member of the group. Mm-hmm. Like he's more particular about how things are done, and he likes to keep his hands clean. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, later on when they're getting into the armed robbery portion of their scheme, uh, he takes a liking to it and he seems to have some insight that the others don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if that was purely just for comedic effect, but um, yeah. it comes up in more than one scene, so maybe not. Yeah, he's he's the one that, well, he's a chef, so he he's chef. got a bit of an edge to him, I would say. High stress environment. Yeah. <laughs> and there's knives. And uh, there's <laughs> think about the restraint it takes for Gordon Ramsay not to stab people every day with that temper of his. And, you know, if if they're doing this high-risk, you know, scheme... High-risk, high-reward? Yeah, he's he's the guy who obviously wanted in the least. Yeah. Like he was the one that was most resistant to putting money in the pot. Yeah. Because the way we get to this card game is all of them make, what, a 25 grand yeah. Com- yeah. contribution? So between the four of them, like, they've all... They've all invested quite heavily in this card game, and he was the one that was most resistant to the idea of doing it in the first place. Uh, fuck yeah, I would be too. Twenty-five grand just out my out my pocket and onto a card table. Fuck I would, that. I wouldn't <laughs> give my friend five hundred dollars no, for a card game. God no. I wouldn't give my friend a hundred dollars for a game. Like I'll double your money. Like fucking. Like, I don't it. care if your dad is Sting. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't translate to good card playing. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, you don't have to put on a red light. But um, our, uh, our, our fella Eddie here mm-hmm. is basically our protagonist. Yes, more or less. Um, he stands out from the group, like not just like in terms of his character getting the most screen time, but also just like even just in terms of aesthetics. Like he has a look to him that a, looks more innocent. Yeah, he is kind of a not a, kind of a baby face a little bit. I'm not, I don't know how to describe it. But he has yeah, those I, like kind of like Cillian Murphy eyes, where it's like. He looks like he's about to cry all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where it's like you just feel for this man every time you see him. Oh, good casting. I don't know who he is, but good casting. I've, I've, I don't think I've seen him in anything else. Well, uh, he was well Nick, positioned. Nick Morin is Nick, his name. Sure, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Um, I do. So, do we want to? There is a scene when they're playing cards. I I really like when. So he loses because he's being he's being cheated, and it hits him as they're doing oh. the flip. And there's a really I like what the camera does. Is yeah, like, there's some really really clever camera work in that scene. Yeah, um, some goofy editing directly preceding that. But that whole card game sequence is really well done. The tension mm-hmm. is built very very solidly. Yeah, um, Hatchet Harry. That's when it becomes very explicit that he has, I think, a glass eye. Yes, yes. Because they take special care to put a reflection on the glass eyed whenever. It makes him seem more sinister. Yeah, it, it makes him seem very sinister. Yeah. But it's put it's used to very great effect um, during the card game because mm-hmm. we get some nice reflections on his eye. I think it's Eddie that you can see, so you can see him. He can see himself in the eye and everything. I think so. And it's yeah. very intimidating, and they have their typical like James Bond banter, mm-hmm. like like any baccarat card game you've ever seen James Bond play with you know the villain of the film. Um, we get a brief montage showing all the players. Uh, get dealed out basically yeah. um it's kind of a goofy montage where everyone's throwing their cards at the camera 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then one guy throws a hissy fit and gets forcibly removed from the building. But yeah, when we get to the end, and uh, uh, our friend the Baptist is uh, helping Hatchet Harry. I don't. Want, I don't want to do his accent. It's, it's, <laughs> Give it's, it a shot. I know other guys was helping you, so I'm gonna give you a week, and then if you don't have it in a week with the four, of the, with the three of them, you know what happens. <laughs> so you can't see Kyle's face, but, but you, have do, to, you have to. do doing, the teeth. Yeah, he's doing some stuff with his jaw and his teeth. His you, whole face, in fact. You're gonna have to do the teeth. He's gonna like, put the whole face down into the jowls and, yeah. your, and your chin. <laughs> this is this is Barry the Baptist. This is Lenny, Lenny the Gubna. The Gubna. Uh, he passed away shortly after the movie yeah. was released, and I believe some of his stories were the basis for some of the sequences in Snatch, yeah. and possibly in this movie, and maybe some other uh, British gangsters. I want to do some more reading about uh, these movies. I think that... There's probably a lot of research that went into them. Because I feel like, like Scorsese likes to touch on like criminal behavior and mostly in the northeast coast uh, <laughs> well a lot of these scripts are formulated through research uh-huh. through hanging out with people who have criminal pasts and like like any cop drama like and anybody who writes a cop drama i'm sure has done tons of ride-alongs at least i hope they fucking have Ooh, uh. <laughs> so yeah i'm sure guy Ritchie, you know coaxed coaxed a lot of these stories out of like his cast members and stuff because these are important details that enhance the the overall effect of the story you know we're going to talk about it it'll be the next episode but there is something interesting about scorsese i want to talk about and the uh, trainer from the movie that we're going to do um for the next episode uh digstown 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 Yes. yes yes sir uh (laughs) <laughs> remind me, remind me. We'll, we'll yeah. hear about that later. So anyway, back to the card game. The yeah. way the way our buddy Eddie loses this card game is through some foul play. Yes, um, very much. Our friend the Baptist is using a like what is it? A uh, oh, the Morse code. He's Mor- using, yeah, he's using Morse code to, to tap his leg. Yeah, he has a camera feed into the into the building. If you've seen the Casino, that's how you get your hand broken. Exactly the hammer scene. <laughs> so he's telling Atchet Harry. Uh, exactly what cards to play and when mm-hmm. and that's how hatchet harry wins and the final the final hand basically hatchet harry convinces eddie to shoot himself in the foot yeah so he is actually he doesn't have enough to keep playing yeah. and he's actually kind of alarmed he's just like uh no i don't have enough money he's like yo you're gonna you're gonna let me borrow it he's like yeah i'll let you borrow it <laughs> uh Sure thing. Yeah. So he's just like, no. And then he kind of tells me, he's like, well, I want to keep playing. So he kind of muscles him a little bit, like, I'm going to keep playing, so you're going to take it. It's a it's a bizarre exchange, but it has that tinge of uh, that recurring theme of masculinity that seems to pop up in a lot of movies that we, we've been talking about. That oh, yeah. it's, like a, it's like one of those dares that you know you shouldn't no, take. No, 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 no. But no. in that environment and in that moment, you just, there's like this gravity that that mm. pulls you towards the wrong decision because your masculine instincts tell you, oh shit, he's challenging my balls. He's also a, he's, <laughs> also, he's also a gambler, so one... He's also a very good gambler. He's a good gambler. And but that doesn't make sense because if he was a really good gambler, and they even explicitly say he's good at reading people. Yeah. Read the fucking room. This guy it, has dude. something over you. Yeah. <laughs> like He wouldn't be doing this unless he was going to get you. Yeah, he gets him. Yeah. <laughs> and he just, he gets up in a fucking daze. Just yeah, there's like, this gorgeous, uh, I forget the 
what is it reverse tracking shot or uh, push and pull shot where the uh, the foreground subject remains stable while the background like pull, yeah. pulls moves in. It's this really amazing effect that you see in like Jaws when the shark. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, when uh, yeah, when the shark attack happens on the beach, and we get that shot of the chief on the on the beach, uh-huh. and he's just like, "That kid's dead." <laughs> it's a wonderful shot. I think I think like Hitchcock was the one like most famous for starting that trend. But yeah, we get one of those shots, and it, you can see this young man's heart just sink into his stomach, and then we get this really cool sequence where um, there's no sound other than the music, which mm-hmm. we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he had a camera rig with a stabilizer, like attached to his own chest, with the camera like, just so he's walking with the it. The camera stabilized and like positioned directly into his face, and we get to see him like just plod out the building in yeah. a daze. And it just—it's a wonderful effect where it looks like he's kind of drunk. Mm-hmm. It looks like the world is just floating for him <laughs> because yeah. he's the reality is setting in that it's like oh i'm, I'm fucked me, not only am i fucked but my, my friends are fucked my boys are fucked my, too. my boys who put a lot of their own money and hopes and dreams into me <laughs> yeah um so i'm gonna just go ahead and explain rory breaker and what his significance is oh, to the movie well before we explain rory breaker we need to talk about the flaming man yeah that's what i'm saying, <laughs> I, that's what I'm, saying. I'm just gonna explain rory breaker okay I mean, as far as characters go, I I didn't really care for his character that much. At least the actor, he's just he's supposed to be a non-intimidating guy who's actually like super scary. Mm-hmm. But in doing so, he's not an intimidate. He doesn't have presence because he's not an intimidating person. So I didn't really like what they did with this character. It would have been better if they had like a menacing, an actually the character as written is very good. Yes, as performed. I I agree. I didn't. Okay. I didn't like. They have those camera shots that are tailor made to have impact uh-huh. to like really sell you on this character, and he just doesn't quite sell because <laughs> they do this thing where he'll say something in a very calm tone and then end it with a smile. Mm-hmm. Where it's it's supposed to be this horrific threat, but said with a smile, and the camera like zooms in on, like on his face. It frames him perfectly. It has this dramatic effect to it, but the actual verbalization of the, of the script just it's like oh okay yeah you know who did it great would be uh daniel d lewis and as bill the butcher like that's somebody who can smile at the end of saying something that's <laughs> fucking scary well it's daniel day lewis it's well, just like it's the, not fair I know, it's like the rest of y'all take a hike he's got it <laughs> it's, one my, it's one of my favorite movie villains um so Roy Breaker is he has a pot growing operation. Oh, I love the gag with him and Nick the Greek with the glass. Oh yeah, it's a <laughs> recurring gag. Um, so Rory uh, has a grow operation. He has four potheads up in a loft, basically growing weed for him. Um, and there's a guy, this little this little shit. That's all I can think of. <laughs> uh, he calls himself a geezer, so I'm just gonna call him geezer. He's like, oh, the, I think the his name was Plank. Plank or something but like yeah they, he calls himself a geezer i'm a geezer and he's like 90 goddamn pounds like he's the tiny little man yeah um so he just buys pot from them and he kind of catches that they have a shit ton of money and cash just sitting in shoe boxes um so basically his plan is to knock these guys over um not knowing who they're actually working for so this i want to i wanted to rory breaker is supposed to be a badass dude um and these guys work for him the geezer dude uh he works for the biggest piece of shit in this movie um this guy's infuriating 
uh, everything about him. Like, oh yeah, no. I oh. body language, face, his face. Voice. He has a punchable face. He has just enough chin fat where you're mm-hmm. just like, oh, this fat piece of shit. Yeah, he has that Michael Malley body type where it's like he just probably played punching. like he probably played like cricket or something when he was in high school, and that's all the athleticism he had. <laughs> he didn't really have athleticism, but he's guy. He's probably one of those guys that just knows how to activate his giant hips and just knock you out. Like, oh he yeah. just he was just one of those guys that just figured it out. <laughs> His name is Dog, and I literally have <laughs> Dog. Dog, biggest piece of shit. He, um, I mean, he was very effective. He's very like, he's infuriating, but he's really good. That's why uh, he's he's a, he's he's actually kind of frightening when he needs to be. Exactly, and yeah. he does he doesn't have that look. That's what's so he looks like some just he looks like, yeah he looks like a mouth breather. He looks like a dude that, <laughs> the dude that dropped off your Amazon package today. That's who this guy looks like. Yeah. Just like just average Joe. No, I was about to say UPS driver. Yeah. Like I could totally see him wearing the oh, shorts. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, right. Absolutely <laughs> UPS. Yeah. <laughs> Get on it, Amazon. Sorry, sorry UPS drivers. <laughs> USPS needs to kick it up a notch. Um so yeah. So the geezer basically tells him like, "Hey, this these guys have a shit ton of money. We should knock them over." Um he's like, "All right, whatever." Um but this guy dog, the biggest piece of shit, is the guy that our uh Tom Bake um, actually, we just call him Bets, <laughs> Bacon Eddie <laughs> Bets Bets the Bets Group, Bacon Eddie Tom and Soap Bets. Just sure. Oh, I didn't even realize that Bets Bets. Oh, <laughs> you get it now? I didn't oh. even realize that. Wow. I wonder if that's on purpose. Yeah, you can't see this, folks, but he didn't write. He didn't write their names out in that order. He actually wrote it B T E S, but it spells but, Bets. But you know, he just figured it out on the spot, and you know that. I would not be surprised if it was written intentionally that I, way. But yeah, so we're trying to lay out the different factions we have yes. here. So let, let's try to draw, draw up a diagram. So it's, we have it's hard. Do you have your notepads? Yeah, get out your fucking <laughs> notepads, folks. This is hard to track. So we got bets. Our, our four mains mm-hmm. are mostly good people. Yeah. We have dog and his crew. Mm-hmm. He has a crew, by the way. So dog is their neighbor. Yes, dog. Dog is specifically Eddie's neighbor. Yes, he is Eddie's neighbor. Uh, their apartments are right next to each other. Right next to each other, to the point that there's a vent in the wall that they can hear everything Dog yeah. has to say through the wall. Basically, I think he sells coke. I think that he's some sort of drug dealer. Yeah, they, he. I think Statham's just kind of listening. He's like, oh, I, they've got <laughs> they've got money over here. <laughs> it appears they're selling coke over there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so they decide, like, okay, we're gonna knock these guys over. Yeah. So, dog is gonna rob the potheads. The po- oh, another faction. So the potheads. There's about four of them. Mm-hmm. There's like the uptight one. There's like the the. Persist like just consistently stoned one who has some lady on him yeah, that she's shit. like basically comatose, uh, and then there's a couple other guys. Oh, the one guy that gets the foot business. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. They're mostly dumb except one of them who has his head on his shoulders and a different accent. I can't quite pin it down, yeah. but anyway. So we have the potheads who work for Rory. Yes, who is some sort of criminal of some of yes. some repute. <laughs> um. And the pot, the pot guys are just rolling in cash. Oh yeah, they've they have got a, a gigantic grow operation, and they have a shit ton of money. Well, they don't spend money. The dude's just eating peaches out of a can. Like that's how you save money. You eat peaches out of a can and watch TV <laughs> with your two buddies on the couch. Point is, they work for Rory. Yes. So we have Bets, Dog, <laughs> Rory, and the Potheads. 
And then Atchet Harry. Harry and Barry. Harry and Barry. Harry and Barry. Are... And, and Vinnie Jones is in their corner. Yes. So the way this scheme comes together is Dog, who, who, who Plank works for. Yes. Plank goes to visit the potheads consistently and discovers, hey, their security is really lax. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really lax. They don't they, even use the cage. Yeah. They have a cage at their front door that's pretty much unlocked and open all the time. Mm-hmm. So Plank reports this to Dog and just so happens that while Eddie and his crew are trying to figure out what to do like about their money situation, because yeah. now they're in over their heads, they owe Atchet Airy quite a bit of money, mm-hmm. they happen to overhear, well, Eddie happens to overhear through the wall Dog's conversation with Plank. Yeah. So basically, he takes notes, <laughs> and yeah. he writes down their entire scheme to steal everything from the potheads. Yeah. So what happens is the Bet's crew and Dog's crew uh, are kind of running the same running the same scheme at the same time. Yeah. Except Dog's crew is completely unaware of the Bet's crew. Yeah. So that brings so that brings us to this this interesting situation where Dog successfully breaks into the Potheads building. Yes. Kind of. Kind of. You want to go over the details? Y- yes. Yeah, so Dog is an absolute asshole. He has pretty much just hired the the dipshittiest guys possible. Um, and the potheads actually do use the cage finally. Yeah, for once. Uh, <laughs> so right there we have a uh, a con gone wrong. Yes. <laughs> so the plank or the geezer, the little guy, he he's not expecting this. Yes. So he ends up holding the one dude hostage. He passes out. Like he just he just faints. Yeah. And basically, plank gun. plank grabs him through the cage and holds a gun to his face. And this poor bastard just passes just out passes on the out. crumbles onto the floor. What the fuck are we gonna do? So dog comes in there with a shotgun and is basically like, I'm gonna blow this dude's fucking foot off unless you guys come down here. Um, he does. Oh yeah. But the guys, their security system is they have a gun. It looks like it was a little twenty-two. It's a fucking it, pellet gun. It's, it's not even a pellet gun. It's like a BB gun. <laughs> it's a BB gun. So they get a couple shots on Dog and his crew Jesus. to no effect. Uh, one of the guys brings a giant gun. It's a Bren. It's Jesus. A, it's like a World War II era machine gun. He's like, what the fuck did you bring that for? We're supposed to be inconspicuous here. Oh yeah, he brought his, his, his earmuffs. earmuffs. <laughs> <laughs> he came prepared. You gotta have hearing protection. Like, Jesus, these guys. Um, they end up uh, robbing them. Um, the pot, the the girl that's stoned on the couch. It's such a weird little detail. Yeah. That you can tell this was like... The, actually, one of the details I wrote in my notes for this movie is that it this movie was made with a, a young person's energy. Because mm. you can tell there's like a lot of flourishes in there. That like Even in the editing, it's very bouncy and energetic. And I feel like the, the stoned lady kind of came as a result of that where it's this like weird little detail that contributes basically nothing other than a fun shot (laughs) it's supposed to be a moment where we think that things are because we're kind of rooting for the potheads a little bit like we don't want them to get robbed we don't know that they weren't for rory at this point. no we do not um so we're kind of rooting for him a little bit like this little shit because he's not a like well and it's Dog. Yeah. He, <laughs> the he biggest is, piece of shit in the world. He is James Woods, like, times five. Uh, James Woods a casino, James Woods... Well, a- I mean, at least James Woods probably doesn't stink. Like, dog looks smelly. Yeah, he... <laughs> he doesn't brush his teeth. No. Much. God, no. He um, eats sausage or bangers or whatever the fuck all the time. Bangers. <laughs> uh, 
Jeez. But yeah, during this heist, um, it's mostly under control after they get through the cage. Yeah. Um, however, they overlook the fact that the Stony or whatever, his uh, comatose girlfriend is just camped out on the couch. And for no reason whatsoever, she gets up, picks up the Bren that was left beside her, mm-hmm. and unloads it on its owner. Yeah. And tears him to pieces. Like some Shoot. some of the most extensive squib work, if not the only extensive squib work in the movie, and it's shot in ultra slow motion. So they had to like switch out the lenses and get like a special <laughs> camera rig in there just for this one stupid fucking shot that adds mm. adds nothing to the film. Oh yeah, and by the way, she just stands there after she's out of ammo, and dog just like casually walks up to her and slugs her in the face, yeah. and that's her exit from the film. That is not the first time he slugged a woman. I can tell you that. Oh yeah, he was very comfortable. With yeah, that. He, did, he did not have. <laughs> he was like Tom Sizemore comfortable. With he that. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of like a British Tom Sizemore. He kind of is. He He's like, like a big a... Tom Sizemore, but British. <laughs> He's even got the hair. Like. Will the defendant please rise, Tom Sizemore? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Do you think he just has one suit, one dry clean suit that literally he just puts on five minutes before he leaves to go to court and he takes it off and like puts it up perfectly in his closet? He's got that one suit. It's brown, I think. Brown. Brown. He, yeah. He's not a he's not a black or nah. a blue guy. He's a brown guy. No, nah, he's an earthy tone guy. I think he'd be an earthy tone guy, I agree. Nah. Um So yeah, they they find a shit ton of money. Oh, a yeah. shit ton shit of pots. They take all. They take all of it. They take all the yeah, money. They, all the they brought a van and they loaded that whole van. <laughs> um, they load the whole van and they take it back to um, their hideout, which is where uh, the Betts crew are waiting to ambush them to rob them. Yes. So uh, that's the Betts crew's. That's their. That's their scheme is to wait for the heist to be completed. And then intercept them once yes. they're comfortable. Which is a good. Which is a smart that's a, move. That's a great plan. That is a great plan because they're not like. When you rob somebody who's a criminal, they're not going to find... Like, the, the police are not going to find you. But if you rob the criminals, mm-hmm. like, what? They're, they're, no one's ever going to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, no. Nobody's going to talk to anybody. Nobody's like, going to talk to anybody. Yeah. Um, but they they find... I do like uh, Eddie, Nick Morin, the, uh, the gambler. He... He goes like they're all like super serious. They're like, okay, we're gonna go over here, and he starts tea. We should you guys oh yeah, yeah. Tea. So they they break into Dog's place, and he uses Dog's kitchen to put on some tea. The the, the whole British Empire was built on a pot of tea or some shit. Some like, shit, some like shit that. like that. But yeah, um, oh, very important detail in this sequence. Mm. So, uh, in order to prepare for their portion of the heist, the Betts crew, yes, um, they need weaponry. Oh yes. And oh as, yes, yes, yes. And yes, yes, as yes. common British folk, guns are not easy to come by. So how do they get these guns? They go to Nick the Greek. That is true. And Nick the Greek, <laughs> just his body language. He's just so funny. Yeah, he looks like he'd be fun to hang out. With. I think he'd be fun. Um, <laughs> he'd be the kind of guy like you. You'd buy a pint, and then you're like, "You want to get one?" You're like, "No, like, no." You buy your own. <laughs> Thank you for buying me one, but I'm not buying you one. And you would be like, you know, that was charming. <laughs> I like that guy. So Nick the Greek uh, ends up getting the guns from the two dipshits, um, and much to Barry the Baptist's uh, surprise, uh, he's not pretty happy about that. Yeah, so the deal with the Northerners was they were supposed to acquire everything... For 10 grand. Sorry, I was flashing my hands. 10 grand. I was like, are you having a stroke, Kyle? (laughs) I do not smell toast. (laughs) I do not smell toast. So the deal with the Northerners... 
was that they were supposed to break into this old folks' estate. Yes. And acquire all the gun, all the goons. Yeah. The in goons. the cabinet. Yes. So there was a cabinet with antique goons in it. Yeah. Now, they were supposed to acquire everything in the cabinet, and they were told anything you find outside the cabinet, go ahead, it's yours. Now, there's, there's bound to be antiques there. I'm assuming. I, I know that London is crazy expensive, and I'm pretty sure we're in London for this. I think so. I would assume. So this is an estate. It's like knowing that we live in Seattle, and I can imagine how much this place this place would have cost in Seattle. This place is like a a multi million well, dollar. Yeah. Mansion. Also, so, ta- tack on a couple hundred years to the age of the building. But yeah. So what happens is the two goons uh, that. Achit Eri wants the most, uh, are not in the cabinet when they get there. Um, they Through offhand dialogue, they mentioned that like a maid or someone was carrying a couple of guns, and because they were not in the cabinet, they kept them for themselves. Yes to, yes, to be very specific, he literally says, he's like, get the guns out of the cabinet. He doesn't say why, he just says, give me the guns out of the cabinet. Yeah. So that's on, that's on him. That's, yeah, no, that's, absolutely. And so what happens is they take these guns... And they sell them on the black market, I presume, to Nick, to Nick the Greek, to Nick because the Greek. they want money. They don't care about antiques. And then these guns are handed off to the Betts crew. Yes, these two antique shotguns. And actually, Jason Fleming is kind of on to it. He's like, these are pretty nice yeah. guns. Yeah, these right from like the get go, you can tell that he he knows that this is not an ordinary weapon. In fact, uh, he he mentions that I'm I'm not sure if I'll be taken seriously if I come at someone with this because <laughs> I mean really it looks like a musket almost. I mean they're shotguns, but but they do look very old. Like they they have a very nice like the wood on it's really really nice. Oh yeah, you can tell they're very nice guns. Um, but yeah, they don't look very intimidating at all. And they look well, and they're very long rifles. You can tell that they're. They're not built for, like, they're not built with the modern aesthetic in mind. No, no. Um, so when the Betts crew uh, break into Dog's place, they bring these two shotguns with them, uh, purely to use as weapons. And then the rest of the crew, because there's four of them, only have knives. Yeah. <laughs> so what happens is Dog and his crew show up, and it's actually a pretty clean. It's, it's a pretty. It's smooth sailing. Shockingly clean. Yeah, yeah, it's shockingly clean. Like everything comes together exactly how the Betts crew wanted it. They ambush Dog and his his crew. They restrain them and put electrical tape all over them. And Dog has this really great moment where he just. I'll find you. He he just he's staring Eddie I think like yeah. dead in the eyes and he just very calmly says I'll find you I'll find you yeah. and he just keeps there's a repetition there where he just keeps saying that yeah. and you. You believe him. <laughs> mm-hmm. You believe you. This man doesn't have model trains in his basement. He doesn't have hobbies. No, <laughs> you're his problem twenty four seven. After this, he is a criminal with a coke problem. I'm pretty sure. Um, he'll find you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the Betts crew actually what they they take his van even. They take the van with all the weed in it. So oh, yeah, they, and a traffic cop. <laughs> so the money that they get from like all the money that they have is actually they can pay it off and still get I think 200 grand a piece. Yeah, they count it out. Yeah, it's quite a bit and Jason Statham smokes the pot. Um I'll get to when they shit the bed. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of that. But I want to just just go through and like so Rory pieces it together that his pot's been stolen, and then the one guy... So, yeah. part of the scheme here is the Betts crew have more more weed and money than they than they need, so what, what are they going to do with it? Because it's pretty clear that they aren't going to smoke all this weed. I don't want to... I want to... 
I wanted to say what happens to Rory for like what happens with them and then say how they shit the bed. Okay. Okay. Go you take her. So Rory Rory figures it out. He talks to his main pot. Who looks like a ginger Norman Reedus, by the way. Uh, Very much so. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was like I kept watching my like, guy, he looks like Norman Reedus. Just just a few times it just really looked like him. He looks like a redheaded strawberry blonde. We'll give him strawberry blonde. Okay. Ginger is we'll that's unfair. That. Okay. Um <laughs> So Rory is not happy, and he tells him who did it. Like, because these guys aren't wearing masks. He's like, yeah, it's this guy who buys pot for me all the time. And Rory's like, dude, you're a fucking idiot. Uh, I should kill you because of how stupid you are, but we're going to go take care of this. So Rory goes to Dog's Place, mm. and basically they go in, um, pretty much going in guns blazing, um, expecting people to be there. They're not... Finally, they're like they're kind of hiding, and they all shoot each other dead, basically. So, yeah, it's actually a really beautifully set up scene where um, Nick the Greek has kind of like a theme music that plays a couple times in the movie. That's it's mm-hmm. definitely like a, a a Greek string piece mm-hmm. of music. It, it's very uppity. Sounds like something you'd hear at any Greek restaurant or something. Mm-hmm. Or um, so this piece of music starts playing at length, and we get this wonderful moment where all the parties converge in one place. Mm-hmm. So we have the Betts crew who are actually... Oh, actually, you know what? I'm I'm so sorry. We do have to talk about them shitting the bed. <laughs> because that's when, they, that's when they figure it out. Yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize. I wanted to wait because of how stupid they were. <laughs> instead of going to pay off the... Instead of going to pay off Hatchet Harry, yeah. they go get fucked up like i've i've been pretty drunk before but these guys are like pouring whiskey down their throats like they're celebrating like crazy they're what's the term um holding on to grass to keep from falling off the earth drunk (laughs) that's Uh, that's, i mean the cinematography in that scene really speaks to that um like i said one one of if not my favorite sequence in the whole movie um it's it's all musical montage there's no dialogue it's just a lot of beautifully shot scenes of them getting drunk. Yeah. There's a backflip in there. Some of the angles are nuts where it's like upside down and rotating and it has that it's like fun. it has that delirious like drunken feel to it. Yeah. And combination of the editing and the music, it's very it's very kinetic. Uh, it feels like, you know, classic MTV shit. It feels like a a prodigy music video or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was kind of of the time, so it makes sense. But yeah, but while they're doing this, getting shit housed, uh geezer fig- like gets his head thrown through the wall and he yes. sees the all the recording equipment they all kind of they all figure it out so dog's like all right we're gonna wait here for him and we're gonna kill the fuck out of him yeah um and this is when rory how does rory figure out that it is the bets crew and not dog that's what i was gonna talk go about for it. Actually. there you go it was um so our bets crew have more pot and money than they know what to do with yes so what are they gonna do with it they're gonna sell it to someone a buyer they're going to pawn the weed off on someone who can do something with it. Who do they know who can who can handle a purchase of that size? Rory. Oh, I was just say Nick. Nick, Nick is the one who Nick goes. is the broker. Yes. So Nick goes to Rory, and this is not the first time he's dealt with Rory, and no. he's terrified of Rory. Yes, he's terrified of Rory. Um, we have that recurring gag with the table, he where the first time he meets with Rory, he drops a glass <laughs> through so Rory's funny. glass table, and then sheepishly excuses himself from the room <laughs> second time he tries to do the same thing but the glass has not been replaced mm-hmm. so he just drops the glass on the carpet yes and then sheepishly excuses himself however the second meeting though 
Um, Rory does his thing where he pretends to be his buddy, but also threatens him through his teeth. But when Nick the Greek leaves, Rory has a little conversation with his henchmen, with his crew, and it's revealed that this pot that Nick is trying to sell me right now is my pot. <laughs> so Rory, through through this course of events, discovers that the people that are trying to sell him his pot were the people who stole, stole it from yeah. him. <laughs> so he very quickly pieces this together and decides to go out in force to take care of shit. Yes. Little, little does he know that Dog is posted up in our hero's apartment. Yes. And is waiting for our heroes to come back. So that's how we get to this converging parties moment where Rory and his crew, Dog and his crew, and our heroes are just casually driving home <laughs> during all this. Yes. And it... Hungover. <laughs> oh yeah, they're super hungover, but they're also like completely unaware of any of this, any of this drama happening. No, they have no idea this is happening. They left all the money and all the well, they left it all the they apartment. left it all there, the pot too. Um, so they, dogs crew and Rory's crew, all shoot each other. Oh yeah, everybody, it's a everybody dies except for dog. Dog escapes. There's actually three survivors. Dog, um, the pothead. And the the one pothead with his head on his shoulders. Yes, and then who's the other person? That's Rory lives until immediately before the pothead leaves. Oh yes, because then he he he, yeah. kick, he kicks over a, a fallen member of the of one of the crews, yes. presumably dogs, and uh, turns out the guy's not dead yet, and he shoots Rory off screen. Yes, unfortunately, this entire gun battle happens off screen, and it mm. it speaks to the budget of the film. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there's there's it's a '90s film, so there's guns everywhere. But the actual on-screen presence of the guns, in terms of them being fired and people being hit by bullets, is very. There's like two or three instances of people actually being shot. You know, actually, I now that you mentioned it, no, I don't think anybody dies on screen. Well, there's the Bren, so the lady shooting one dog's crew. He doesn't even die. He just gets shot in the arm. Oof. I mean, <laughs> that's what they like. She does all that shooting. Well, they do. She... They do say that they took him away. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's never said if he's dead or alive. They just say they took him away. Well, well, think about Snatch. Um, Boris the Blade is shot off screen, like, which is funny. See, that's a really funny scene. He just keeps shooting him, shooting him. Um, um, Mickey's mom mm. is burned alive while she's in there. They don't show that. Mm-hmm. Um, Bricktop is shot outside of the car. They don't show that, so I, I don't. I think that maybe Guy Ritchie just doesn't really show the deaths. Uh, that's not uncommon. I mean, Christopher Nolan has been criticized for that too. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems averse to violence of a certain degree. Like his movies have violence in them, but the like gratuitous or explicit nature of the violence is never shown in detail. I hope he doesn't watch No Country for Old Men. <laughs> I don't know if it's just a aesthetic thing for him. I mean, you notice his movies tend to be very clean. Yeah. Like, maybe he just doesn't like the messiness of blood spatter or something. <laughs> I'm fine with it in a movie like this. This isn't a movie I'm going for for the violence. No, of course not. But it's it's just one of those things where it's like, there were so many gunfight movies and stuff in the 90s, and like, squibs were getting bigger and bigger and bigger, yeah. and, and this movie, you can tell that's like, that wasn't a priority. Yeah. But the, the, it was the script, the, the the writing, like the actual the dialogue. I think was the priority because I think that was the fun part. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause right here, Go but I want to dial back to uh, you. You mentioned someone being on fire in Snatch. Oh yes, yes, <laughs> yes. yes. So let's let's go back to the instance of some someone being on fire in this movie. Yes, we're, yeah. So early, early, early in the film, um, 
directly before the card game, actually. So directly before the plot gets started. Yeah. Um, what happens when Eddie and his crew, the Betts crew, yeah. when they walk to the the card hall, which is actually a boxing gym, <laughs> so yeah. the, the card match is actually held in a boxing ring. Yeah. Very appropriate. Um, Eddie's friends, so Jason Statham and Jason Fleming, all those guys, uh, they're actually ushered away from the building into Samoan someone or others yeah. bar. It's a Samoan-themed pub. It's a pub. Samoan-themed pub. <laughs> so they're not allowed to enter the building. So they're instructed to go to this Samoan-themed pub around the corner. Yes. And right before they walk in the door, a man just completely engulfed in flames, just runs immolated from head to toe, runs right out the door, and we get this beautiful comedic moment where they just like turn their heads and watch him leave and then just casually walk into the pub. And yeah. then no explanation given. They just go into the pub, end scene, mm. and then we're at the card game. So well, there is a fire extinguisher sitting in the middle of the uh, the road too. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good, good point there. So this takes us back to the introduction of Rory. Mm-hmm. So Rory is introduced to us uh, like retroactively, kind of. So yeah. he's actually seen in the movie before we know who he is. Yes. Um, so when three quarters of the Betts crew are in the Samoan pub. Uh, there's a gentleman with an afro <laughs> standing just entranced with some sort of sports game. I think it's soccer. soccer. Football. I'm going to go ahead and say it's probably soccer. Um, uh, I mean, that's the generic answer. <laughs> I'm going to just say it's soccer. <laughs> it's some sort of sporting event. And Jason Statham wants him to turn it down. And this afro gentleman just looks him dead in the eyes and very casually says, No. No. And then... Ooh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I like that. So, um, so that... That character with the afro is never given a name at that point in the story. No. But a little later, we discover that, oh, that's Rory. And the way we learn that that's Rory is through a story told to our heroes. By Nick the Greek, I believe. No, it's uh, some gentleman who... It was funny because Kyle asked me if I watched this movie with subtitles on. I Mm. did. Mm. Um, It's a thing that I do, um, (laughs) regardless of what language the movie is shot in. Um, This gentleman had hard subtitles, meaning it's actually like printed on the film um i think it was because he was speaking a kind of slang or something that was was like maybe a little bit more dramatic than your average british slang is he the dude from the i think he's the dude from the mask or he's i recognized him uh when he was talking i think he's from the mask he was the uh hey you're talking to the doctor (laughs) that's all that's all i know could be um um no it wasn't him I know who you're talking about. I can't remember who it is. No. Um, Anyway, it's just some one-off character who introduces Rory to us, and he's telling he tells us a story which we which we then see played back to us retroactively, of a Rory having a very similar incident with somebody in the exact same bar. So Mm -hmm. this these events took place right before our heroes got there. Um, Basically, another group of white guys <laughs> in the in the bar asked him to turn down the television and he didn't take kindly to that yeah he did not take kindly and he, he very calmly set a fire extinguisher out in the middle of the street and then spit some liquor on one of them and set him on fire and turns out that rory was the guy who set that fellow on fire before they got there yep that is exactly what happens so all these all these points are supposed to contribute to this character being terrifying like he's supposed to be this scary gangster type guy that you're meant to be afraid of but again the acting performance i don't think quite 
sold it. <laughs> no, I, yeah, he just wasn't. It wasn't working. But for I him. just, I just wanted to talk about that because it's like the one long, non-linear moment in the movie, and it's like just that one shot of the flaming guy going out and them just walking into the bar was so funny to it me. It is a nice dark comedy moment. Yeah, it was. It was just so funny. Their reaction, well, lack thereof. Yeah, anyway. lack thereof. <laughs> so, the heist has gone completely tits up. Yes. So we got dog and the pothead and that's it we have dog in the pothead dog takes the money and the guns and jumps out the window and lands on his feet mm-hmm. and then is this when vinnie jones headbutts him and yes like, oh he like <laughs> he's standing right behind them so vinnie jones is here to collect exactly the things that that a dog yeah. is carrying he's a collector and snatch he plays basically just muscle and this he's like i need you to go get these fucking guns because these guys are dipshits <laughs> um very important vinnie jones rides around with his kid mm-hmm. uh which is it's funny he's like, hey he's no, like, I, I, I like the dynamic between them where it's like vinnie jones can do whatever he wants but as soon as the kid says something out of line he gets a tongue lashing see this guy <laughs> he's needed, a good dad <laughs> he needed to watch green street hooligans because he'd understand that taking your kid on these kind of things is problematic oh um which might be coming up here pretty soon. Okay. Um, so yes, he headbutts dog deservedly and takes the guns and the money. And Vinnie Jones, he gets him back. He actually gets him to, um, he gets him to uh, fucking Harry. He gets him to Harry. Yeah, he does his job. He does his job, and he gets paid. He gets paid for his job. So he. Dog is just, you know, he's got a bloody nose and he is fucking... Oh, he goes full on, full on, like, Grand Theft Auto. Like, he's mad. Like, he's in, like, Terminator mode. He pulls a... He, like, stops a car, pulls the person out and drives off. Yeah, he just throws this fucker out on the street and drives off in hot pursuit. <laughs> he's furious. So, he ends up tracking down Vinnie Jones. Mm. And Vinnie Jones is leaving um, Hatchet Harry's without the stuff. And... He gets into the back of this this guy's car, and he's got a knife to his son's throat. Now, for those of you out there wanting to take a child hostage, uh, don't. It's a yeah. horrible <laughs> it's idea. Not advisable. Um, but don't take a child hostage in front of the parent, uh, especially the dad. It gives them superhuman strength. And especially if the dad is a soccer player who is known for not being that great at soccer, but good at beating people's asses. He's a soccer goon. Yeah. He was the goon. He was the goon. Yep, red card. Um, so he, he's like, why did you... He, like, he parks... It was like an 11-minute walk or something like that. He's yeah, like, yeah. So, um, it's a funny little offhand comment, but Vinnie Jones mentions that uh, he parked like five minutes away from Hatchet Harry's place because he'd get a parking ticket. He didn't want to pay for parking. And then he just casually mentions offhand that it's like, oh, I suppose that doesn't matter now. <laughs> so so they drive off, headed to Hatchet Harry's. In the meantime, though, some other shit's going down. Go for it. So the parties continue to converge because we're getting into climax territory. Yes. This is like the theme of the last quarter of the film last third mm. where all these all these different factions that we've seen get set up are finally starting to like slam into each other and some shit's starting to happen oh uh, yes and most of them are dead at this point yeah. by the way eddie's apartment is a just oh it's a, a war massacre zone. yeah it's, it's a complete it's, bloodbath yes. massacre so um now the guns are in hatchet harry's hands yes and also the money that he was, act- I think he was actually told he was going to be getting. Yes, he he actually knew that he was going to be. Yeah. Getting so Eddie and and the crew did not give him the money. But they're good. Yeah. They're 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 scot free now. Like they're- yeah. But now that now that Hatchet Harry has has the money, 
and has the guns, he calls for an audience with Eddie uh, because he has something he wants to talk to him about. Mm -hmm. Presumably because the debt was paid, but not directly from him, so he can, like, use some roundabout gangster logic to entrap him, basically. Well, like Jason Statham says in uh, Snatch, he's like, I don't want to be in his pocket. Like, I don't want to be in debt to him. Basically, you can tell where this is going. It's like, you're you're fucked for life. You're going to be working (laughs) for me now, buddy. Yeah. So, Eddie and uh, Tom? Uh, Jason Fleming. Yes, Tom. So, the whole crew pulls up to Hatchet Harry's, but Eddie and Tom... Eddie, there's this really cool line... um, where I think they're getting out of the car, and Eddie says, like, you're with me, Tom? Mm-hmm. And then Tom's like, what do you mean? He's like, you know where the handle is, in reference to the door handle? Mm-hmm. It's just this really fun moment where it's like, these guys are really good friends. Like, mm-hmm. you get that sense from that line, where it's mm-hmm. like, he's just like, you know. like Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to my fate, you're coming with me, because we're, we're buddies, you know. And yeah. he he doesn't question it, he doesn't argue with him, he just gets out of the car with him. Like, Come and on. They, and they walk down the street, and they go to Hatchet Harry's. Right before this, though, the Northerners, who have been on the sidelines of everything throughout this entire yes. movie, um, our friend the Baptist has been repeatedly calling these guys and just badgering them over the phone about getting those goons back. Mm-hmm. Those, go- those goons that they accidentally, well, not accidentally, but wrongfully sold. The, yeah. the two items that Hatchet Harry actually wanted out of everything that, he gave, that they gave him. Yeah. Um, so he's been very adamant about getting these goons back. Very much. And now the Northerners, uh, I forget exactly how they become aware that, uh, oh, they see Vinnie Jones drop everything yes. off. So they yes. see him actually carry the, the goons. And they don't know this is Harry. Like, they have no idea. They have no idea. So they're never actually told who they're doing business with. No, they just know. They've that. never seen his face. They don't know his name. So when they saw Vinnie Jones roll up and take the goons into that building, they just yeah. saw the guns and want them. Yeah. So they go to pay Hatchet Harry a visit. Yeah. Without knowing it's Hatchet Harry. They just go into the building looking for the guns. Boom. They bust down the door. And I'll let you take this one because I want the Vinnie Jones um, <laughs> dog scene. So. Okay. So our northerners, the, the pair of them, they kick down this door and Hatchet Harry's just like cleaning one of the shotguns. Mm-hmm. And they have this weird moment where they see each other. and A Mexican standoff, basically. It's not even that. It's just kind of like a... Who the fuck are you? <laughs> kind of moment. They both have guns. Like they yeah, both they're have both guns, guns at ready, and there's this moment of hesitation. And then we get, I think, like nearly every instance of a gun being discharged in this film is shot in ultra slow motion, like yeah. super high frame rate. So it has that flickering look to it because it was probably done on the cheap and probably without the proper equipment. Yeah. But um, so what what happens is one of the northerners uh, gets blasted, mm-hmm. but oh, he he dies. Oh, yeah. He gets thrown against the wall. Double-barreled shotgun to the chest. That'll do it, you know? <laughs> and then the northerner with uh, the big hair. Yeah, yeah. He's got the perm. <laughs> so there's two northerners. There's the there's the one guy that smaller, has, like, yeah. flattened hair that looks like, you know, he gets out of the shower and doesn't dry his hair. Mm-hmm. Um, he just kind of lets it go flat on his head. Yeah. And then the other one has a perm. That it looks like the one guy from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> The new fat guy, not the old Bobby fat guy. Moynihan. Yeah, he looks yeah. like Bobby he Moynihan. Like Bobby Moynihan. Moynihan, you know, yeah. probably probably some similar heritage. <laughs> so yeah, the uh, Bobby Moynihan, the one with the perm, he goes ape shit and he just blasts Hatchet Harry because you know Hatchet Harry has two rounds in the chamber and that's it, or in the barrels rather. And how does Barry the Baptist get shot? I don't remember how he. Gets we're getting shot. there. Okay. So the Northerner blasts Hatchet Harry. He falls behind his desk, or you know 
dildos everywhere. <laughs> he he died as he lived. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then from behind, as the northerner is turning around, getting ready to leave the room, uh, it's revealed that the Baptist has just been sitting against, the whole time. He's been sitting against the wall on his like favorite chair in a in Hatchet Harry's office because yeah. we've seen many scenes of these two talking to each other, and the Baptist always has this like post yeah. up against the wall that's closest to the door, and. The Baptist throws a knife in the nor- in Bobby Moynihan's back, mm-hmm. and as he's turning around, he caps the Baptist square in the chest, yeah. and they have a mutual exchange of "What the fuck what are, are you doing, doing here? here? What the fuck are you doing here?" <laughs> and everyone's dead. So our two Northerners, Hatchet Harry and the Baptist, all all gone in one fell swoop. Okay, which so. brings us to our heroes walking in on this scene yes. after the fact. Yes. So they walk in. Their debt's already been cleared. And now they could just have the opportunity to take the money. They're just like, okay, let's just take the money. Let's just get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. And Jason Fleming is like, I want those guns. Yeah. <laughs> Which is odd. Like, he's just like, I, I, I want the guns. Well, um, that you, he, like you said, they set it up a little bit. You yeah. could tell that he was he, he was appreciative of, of the goods. He's got a, he's got a hunch. Because he was the one who received them in the beginning. Yeah. And you could tell he, he, was, he was pretty happy with them. Like, okay, I can handle this. Yeah. Um, so... Eddie goes out the back door. Mm-hmm. While Eddie's going out the back door, um, meanwhile, Vinny Jones... And uh, dog. There we go. <laughs> Resolution. <laughs> this is one of the most satisfying movie deaths, and it's it's good. And you don't even see it. That's one of the best things. Um, so, Vinny Jones, as we said, has his son in the car, and Dog has a knife to his throat. Now, earlier in the film, Vinny Jones tells his son to buckle up when he gets into the car. Buckle mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he says it right now, but his son ha- actually has his seatbelt on. I actually love uh, how these characters arrive on the scene. Mm-hmm. There's no; it's just like a, a wide shot, mm-hmm. and there's a car parked in front of Hatchet Harry's, and just this car screams into the frame and yeah. slams into. It. So Vinnie Jones knows that the guy in the back, dog, does not have a seatbelt yeah. on, and he takes this as an opportunity and rams it into the big concrete or like steel. It's something sturdy. sturdy. (laughs) Totals the car. He checks to see if his kid's okay. He's fine. He gets out of the car. And Dog's pretty dazed because he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. So he hit his head on something. So Vinny Jones takes... This is how we are introduced to his character in Snatch also. As he's doing this exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, He takes this guy's head. And the rage... The rage. It's beautiful. Like it you can tell that like Vinnie Jones had a temper, but like playing this character, this rage is coming from a primal like I am going to kill the fuck out of you. He is screaming something inaudible. I have no idea what it's, he's screaming. It's just caveman gibberish. It's caveman gibberish. And he is slamming this car door as hard as I've ever seen a car door slam against this guy's head. And we don't even get to see it, thank God, because it would probably he look didn't like need jelly. To. It looked like grape. It looked like him looking directly into the camera and just. <laughs> it's it's great because I want to know how they shot this. Just what did they have in there to help it bounce off? Because I mean, <laughs> I've never seen like this car door is going a hundred yeah, miles an the, hour. The steel Bam. is bending. Bam. Like, Bam. Like, <laughs> 
That car got stunt pay, I hope. <laughs> and like Fuck. I said, Dog's the biggest piece of shit in this movie. It is a satisfying oh, death. He is now Oof. the deadest piece of he shit in the movie. <laughs> he has been flushed. Oh, yeah. Um, I think the only words that I... Well, I had the subtitles on, thankfully. Um, mm. The only words that I was able to pick out from that whole tirade was something like, nobody has ever like treated me as bad. Mm. Or nobody has been as rude... Uh, nobody has ever been as rude to me. Jeez. <laughs> so apparently, just like that's that's what went through his mind. But you know, when you're that mad, words aren't aren't the easiest thing to process. <laughs> no. <laughs> you use your words is not an expression you want to throw at Vinnie Jones. I thought maybe he'd say like, "Why aren't you wearing your seatbelt?" <laughs> like, like oh, parenting. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I I love that part. Um, oh, it's great. But so uh, but, he's like he's like spits right on the lens too. Oh, it's great. They're, they're not afraid to just let it stream down the lens. <laughs> it's beautiful. He's very good, and that just that one scene is just oh, I love oh, it. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. But um, so he for whatever reason goes back into Harry's. Um, I'm not sure why. Maybe he sees somebody walk out, or I don't really know. But he goes back into Harry's, and then he and Jason Fleming just come toe to toe like they're just like mm. they're just facing each other basically mm-hmm. and um actually he didn't grab the money i think vinnie jones takes the money and fleming uh, eddie doesn't take the money eddie gets out i think eddie just gets out yeah. or something and jason oh oh i remember okay he did not crash into a fixture he crashed into eddie's car and he checks eddie oh, okay. and he like recognizes him and I, I actually remember laughing at this when I was watching it because he checks like Eddie and he's like you again. He doesn't yeah, say it, but he again. just like gives him a look like, okay, I already dealt with you. <laughs> and then he like he just like sees the bag. And he's, yeah. Oh, he yes, says, oh cheeky cheeky pasta. And then he he like gives him this look like like God damn it, like it's he, like a school teacher like like being disappointed in that, you. It's like a. Yeah, exactly. Moment. And he's just like she looking back at them while he's walking back into Hatchet. He's gonna go give it back <laughs> so, to him. So the money yeah. that just was that he just yeah. dropped off, he's taking right back where it was. Mm. I just thought it was so funny. We're just like, what the fuck? I love you the cheeky, cheeky bastard. bastard. <laughs> um, I, so yeah, he has the money. He has the money, so he comes toe to toe with uh, Jason Fleming, and, and Jason, he has a he has a knife at ready too. He has a knife, and then Fleming's got the two guns, and they basically just back up and. Yeah, I think it there's it, a it transition sh- of some sort. It, yeah, it just kind of like cuts yeah. to black or cuts to a different scene. So, does he spend the night? He spends the night in jail for some reason. Um, I mentioned this. We didn't go into detail about it, but during Dog's heist, mm-hmm. um, there's actually a traffic warden mm. who uh, gives he's Correct. giving them a citation yes. during the heist because the van is illegally parked. Yeah, good writing. Because mm-hmm. uh, we had mention of a traffic ticket at one point, like a parking ticket. Yeah. That's exactly what, like a, an element of the heist that went wrong. Yes. Um, so this traffic warden gets knocked out by one of uh, Dog's guys and actually thrown in the back of the van. So by the time the Betts crew pick him up, he st- pick up the van, so steal it from Dog, he's still in the back. And they have this goofy moment where Knock you can tell you can tell that that's actually a really good shot yeah. it was like a at least a two minute sequence uncut mm-hmm. where it's a uh, chris Kattan. Yeah. <laughs> soap soap is driving the van and they're just they're escaping from uh they're trying to hide the van basically yeah. and jason statham's in the back and he's like hey there's a cop back here 
And you can tell these guys aren't good criminals because they don't know what to do. Like, so they just okay. say, knock him out. And he's like, how? <laughs> and so he's, instead of like choking him out or something, he just starts like punching him. <laughs> and you can actually hear the traffic cop going like, ah. <laughs> And then he isn't going out cold. So uh, the rest of the crew starts stomping on him. And then we just fade to black. Just fade to black. So it's presumed that they dropped him off somewhere. And yeah, uh, Eddie and the crew... Or at least just Eddie goes to prison for at least a night. He goes to jail, yeah. Um, and yeah, during there's another musical montage when he's going to jail, where uh, the traffic warden's like fingering him in a lineup. He's like, yeah, it's not him. He yeah. says it's not him because Dog's crew was the people who you yeah. know actually did it. Um, so it's like a weird sympathetic moment that comes out of nowhere. It's a weird little detail that I'm not yeah. sure if it actually contributes anything. I think it's just to set up the next scene, which is him getting bailed out by his dad. By Sting. By Sting. <laughs> um, basically, Sting's just like, oh, you got in some trouble. No, no, no. no. no, no. Well, <laughs> I'm going back to the bar. And, he's like, and you can fucking walk, basically. Because yeah. he's been upset. Well, because um, the Baptist, or uh, Vinnie Jones goes in to see Sting, his dad, and he's like, you know, he's gonna kill your son if you don't. If uh, he doesn't get that money, you should probably help him. He's like, well, his debt's not my debt. And he's like, I just want to see where you stand. Yeah, that's you know? actually a subplot that's not gone into too much detail. But Hatchet Harry wants to purchase Sting's bar, mm-hmm. and so he he knows that Eddie and Sting are relations. Yeah. So again, reputation. Because I think it's, it's hinted that Sting and him have history or something. I think it's fairly close to where they were playing cards, and I think that might be the the. Why he might want the bar and property, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so now we're back at the bar, kind of defeated. Because, I mean, like they're, they're nobody's out to kill them, but they don't have any money, and they were really looking forward to having that money. So in walks Vinnie Jones, and he drops a bag, mm-hmm. uh, the bag that had the money in it on the table, and he's like, you know, I took, uh, I took what I thought was fair, and uh, for me and my son, for me and my son. <laughs> Has he got a problem with that? <laughs> you let me know. I'm like, yeah, we're not gonna do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're you're Vinny fucking Jones. You crushed a dude's head in you're a the, car. You're the door. fucking juggernaut. <laughs> Jesus, fuck that. Oof. Um, so yeah, he he gives them the bag, and meanwhile, they were talking to Jason Fleming. Jason Fleming leaves before Vinny Jones get there gets there, but. They're talking about the guns and like, well, at least we got rid of those guns. That's the only thing that could trace us back to this mm-hmm. crime. And you got rid of them, right? And Jason Fleming's like, about that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't quite get rid of them. They're like, the only thing connecting us to this whole fucking mess is sitting in the trunk of your car. And like, get the fuck rid of them now. <laughs> He's like, go throw them off a bridge, whatever. Just go throw them off a bridge. Get rid of them now. And that's when he leaves. Vinnie Jones comes in, drops off the bag. So Jason Fleming is nearly to the bridge. He's about to throw off the guns. This is pretty much the the fun the fun ending to the movie. It's reminded me of Mr. Bean sketches. I don't know if you're familiar. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Mr. Bean, Mr. Bean humor to me is like cringy humor, where it's like. Like the whole time, yeah. just like, oh my god, that's so bad. It's so close. It's oh. like he's so close to ruining that work of art. It's so expensive. Okay. <laughs> he does ruin it in the movie. Uh, <laughs> Whistler's mother. Yeah, Whistler's mother. <laughs> nice, fine. Um, so yeah, Vinnie Jones drops off the bag, and Eddie opens it. He's like, it's empty. Yeah. <laughs> For a moment there, he's pretty put out. Yeah. But then there's something else in that bag. So there's a magazine in the bag. And it was the magazine that Harry had. 
Um, and he's like, what the fuck is this for? And they're looking through, and they see that these guns, these are like antique guns that are worth a lot of money. So this is like an auction pamphlet of some yes. sort. Yes. <laughs> um, and they realize that the two guns that Jason Fleming is about to throw off a bridge is... They're both worth about a million piece, I think. It looked like it was... It basically... All the money that's been changing hands throughout the all the MacGuffins, yes, like separate from the guns. So yeah. all the pot, all the money, these guns are worth more than mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. easily. <laughs> easily, this is what Cameron Diaz was saying at the end of the counselor. We, Diamonds. Yeah. yeah, she's like, it's like you know how hard it is to move twenty million dollars in cash. It's way easier if you have a diamond in your hand, or mm-hmm. you can swallow it and you know find it later. Yeah. Um, so these guns have been hiding in plain sight the entire movie. So they all are just. Like trying to call we, we get this fun cross cross cutting between Jason Fleming very <laughs> in a very dopey manner trying to throw these guns off a bridge, and we keep cutting back to the rest of his friends in the restaurant uh, or the pub rather, um, trying to get their 1998 cell phones to yeah. work. <laughs> Good so, fucking luck. Yeah, so the three of them are all trying to dial them at once, and there's a lot of bantering where they're like trying to make sure that mm-hmm. only one of them is calling him at a time because they don't yeah. want to cross the lines yeah. and of course one of them has a battery or a signal issue and the whole time it's just this farce where it's like jason fleming is getting closer and closer to throwing these guns off a bridge and we end what on a freeze frame yeah freeze frame i i really like that ending it's, yeah it's so we have this beautiful shot of jason fleming holding a light post with one arm and he's hanging over the edge of this bridge trying to reach these guns that are just like on the precipice just about to fall off the bridge he has a cell phone in his mouth which is ringing so it's like he has these two yeah he has this dilemma where it's like what do i do i don't want to fall off the bridge i could just throw the guns off and then answer the phone yeah (laughs) and then but we very graciously end on a freeze frame so it's up in the air as to what happened would you like this ending better or Snatch? Because Snatch, they find the diamond again and they end up back to um, to Abby. The Abby uh, um, well, I remember this ed- ending, so I'll no. call this one the better. <laughs> I I forgot what the ending was when I was watching it. I'm like, oh man. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um, I think it's a lot of fun. It's a very fun movie. Um, I mentioned the music. Uh, I. Again, a phrase that came to mind was youthful energy. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie has a lot of energy and enthusiasm in the cinematography and the editing and the performances. It really feels like somebody, somebody like getting to come to the big show for the first time, and they're just like giddy with Fuck excitement. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, we get to do all these fun camera setups, and like I get to do this drunk montage. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it so it's good. Gonna awesome. It's gonna be so good. Because like a lot of the camera trickery and stuff, it feels almost, it's not like on a Sam Raimi type level, but no. but you can tell that there were a lot of setups and stuff that somebody was just like, fuck it, let's do it that way. This will be fun. This will be unique. Well, this reminds me of Smoking Aces. This came out way before Smoking Aces, oh, yeah. nearly a decade and before. And it's, you know, pretty good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Unlike Smoking Aces. But I feel like Smoking Aces, when you're introduced to your stupid characters in that movie, there's a lot of, I feel like, Guy Ritchie-esque. Like, well, Smoking movies. Aces to me is like one of the better examples of a movie that the people who made it thought it was cooler than it was yeah it's um actually another note that i had when i was watching this is like this is like the movie that every young man wanted to make okay because i i've made portions of this movie with my (laughs) friends in high school everybody did yeah like everybody with a camera in high school or whatever made a a gun deal gone bad movie or something i did that (laughs) all the time It's, it's like 
Yeah, we had this running gag in the movies I'd make with my friends where whenever someone needed to get shot, they'd end up in the bathroom so we could clean it up easily. You oh, know? That's smart. Because yeah. the porcelain and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this movie, like the music especially, like the use of music. Mm. Music is almost ever present in this movie. Not not score, but like songs. Just, yeah, like, just something. Just it makes me think of like that high school state of mind where it's just like noise for the sake of noise. Yeah, and it's like that it has that kind of like a punk rock feel to it. it and does. even even the even like the coloration and the grain on the film, it has a very the, uh, yeah the filt. Uh, like we we mentioned smoking, <laughs> like Jesus. like like the the film looks like someone was blowing smoke into it in the editing room an opposite of smoking ace is this movie the budget was 800 euro 800 pounds sorry 800,000 pounds which was like a 1.2 million american mm-hmm. i mean it made like 26 million like for, for budget like this is a really good i mean i would say is this an indie film technically i mean i would think so um like i said matthew vaughn produced it i don't know what his reputation was back then but now he's like like I said, very in-demand director. Gotcha. I mean, this is the Kingsman guy. This is the Kick-Ass guy. This is... Kick-Ass. Well, maybe not Kick-Ass. I, okay. I didn't care too much for that one. I, but X-Men First Class was pretty good, man. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it. But Ma- it Matthew so Vaughn is very much a of-the-moment director. Um, and he was a contemporary guy, Richie. I guess they Probably. bolstered each other. They, they, like, they, they, they both they, rose up in the ranks together. They've been to dinner with each other. <laughs> <laughs> At least once. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that was pretty much it. I just wanted Trevor to see Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Um, yeah, it, was, I, it was very much off my radar, but I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I, heist movies are fun, especially oh, yeah. when the writing's as tight as this one. Like, you could tell they had a lot of fun putting the characters together and just, like, smashing them together. Yeah. I don't think we should have to tell you you should watch this movie. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it, obviously. I think it's an important... Like, it's important for, like, film history. Mm-hmm. Like, 1998, like, like I said, like... It, it has that indie feel to it that just the 90s had a feel to it that like if you if you grew up like if you were if you're a contemporary of Kyle and I like I think a movie like this probably will resonate with you very well because yeah. you'll it'll, you'll it'll take you back <laughs> like really well like, even though even though it's a British film like it really does put you in that state of mind oh it's a movie that we wouldn't have watched because we I was nine at the time that this movie came out like this wasn't a movie I would have watched see I have an older brother mm. and these are the kinds of movies that were whispered about yeah. in the house. So, like, uh, when I was really young, like Top Gun, oh, like I was like obsessed with Top Gun before I even saw it because my brother was into it. Gotcha. And like things like like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. It's like I didn't see it until much later in life, but my brother was watching it, and I'd hear his, him and his friends talking about it. like same with like Bloodsport. I was like, oh, that sure. title's so badass. <laughs> and then you know you see it, and it's like. Oh, well, it is. Hey, <laughs> you say anything bad about Bloodsport, you can get right the fuck out. But yeah, for me, like movies from like '98 and like the the Kevin Smiths, the Quentin Tarantinos, all that stuff was like. Talk, oh, it was always like whispered about and talked about. You haven't seen the original Clerks, have you? I have not. Oh. I know it by reputation, obviously. Oh jeez. I mean, I. I don't even know if we could do an episode. Like, I don't know if we could do an episode on it. Like, it's, it's. I think it'd be hard to do a comedy. I think like what we're talking. Yeah, there's comedic elements in the movies that we've talked about, but to do a straight, straight up, up comedy, comedy, that might that might be delicate. We might have to think about that. I'm not I mean, sure. How I, do I that. keep feeling like something like that's just going to end up like the Chris Farley show, where well, it's just like remember that one. That was that was really cool. <laughs> that, was, that was really cool. So you were with the Beatles, right? <laughs> that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> Um, but no, but, but the point of this is to get the other person to watch movies that they should have seen, 
And we want to highlight what's good about the movies. We're not trying to like break them down or like say what's shitty about them. We're trying no. to say like this is what we liked about. It. There's there's problems with some of these movies that we're talking about. <laughs> there's definitely gonna be problems with the movie that we're gonna be talking about for yeah, the next. Speaking episode. of which, next episode is Digstown. Correct. We should. Uh, so that'll be me catching Kyle up on cinema. Yeah. On that note, until next time. Until next time. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> jingle, jangle, jingle, jangle. See you later. <laughs>